Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. At our Jake Conference, Junior Anglican Evangelical Conference, this August, one of the real highlights uh, for many of us was Mel Lacey's talk on pastoring young people in the parish church. Mel Lacey is a lecturer at Oak Hill and has recently uh, started a new venture, Growing Young Disciples, which will be training youth leaders and churches uh, to be better at their youth and children's ministry. And it was a real privilege to have her speak uh, for an hour or so on how we can do better at pastoring young people within our local churches. I just wanted to share with you on the podcast some highlights uh, from her talk, beginning with her explanation of what the purpose should be of youth and children's ministry. So I guess the first thing I want to say um, for those of us who work in parish ministry is to know what your aim is in children's and youth ministry. I think I could go around to lots of um, churches, and, and this has happened in the churches that I've worked in, and say to the vicar, what is your aim in kids' ministry? I think I'd get a lot of different answers, um, but I'm not sure if we are very good at crystallising what we're about in our kids' and youth ministry. Um, so I think it may involve entertainment, but it's not ultimately about keep, keeping the children and young people entertained. It may involve, and it hopefully will involve, moral development, but it's not ultimately about instilling morality in our children and young people. It should always be a safe place for our children and young people, but it's not about creating a safe place for children and young people. Ultimately, it's about raising children and young people in the knowledge and love of the Lord God. And it's interesting, I'm sure some of you saw this, that the psalm very clearly points out the distinction between knowing about God and knowing God. And it is when they know God, they will put their trust in him. And so again, I think I want to ask of our parishes doing children's and youth ministry in the local church, are we more concerned about helping our children and young people to know about God than know God? Obviously, that's pretty hard to discern, um, whether we're focusing purely on head knowledge or heart knowledge as well. But I do think as we sit down to conceive what we're about in children's and youth ministry, if we're aiming that we're raising children and young people in the knowledge and love of the Lord God and of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, we don't just want to focus on head knowledge. We want to focus on heart knowledge as well, and we'll hopefully... Uh, talk a little bit more about that. Um, My mission, if you like, um, is to see this country flooded with successive generations of young Christians who are confident, who are biblically informed, who are theologically astute, and who are ultimately prepared to die for Jesus. Now, for lots of parents, if you're parents here today, um, they hate that thought. You know, that's one of the biggest kind of points of opposition I will get when I speak to people at conferences or, um, you know, in training, that I want us to be raising our children and young people to be prepared to die for Christ. 
Um, and if you're a parent, I, I know that must be really hard for you to think about. At the moment, though, I think our children and young people aren't even able to speak for Christ. Never mind be prepared to die for him. Um, and so I do think we need to think more about what that looks like. This is an incredibly complex and confusing world. I'm sure you guys know that. But it's even more so for our children. And the rate of change is astronomical. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why we've always done it this way isn't fitting or working anymore in how we're raising our children and young people. So what does it mean to pastor a young person? I think three things. I could talk for a long time, but I've got to keep it short. Um, three things that we can unpack a little bit. So first of all, don't mishear me. I am saying that we want the teaching and application of God's word in the lives of our children. But I want that to be a 360 picture um, so I want us to be considering carefully how our ultimate aim in our children's and youth ministry speaks to the whole of their life. That beautiful passage that we read in Deuteronomy 6 really is a, a description of what we might term whole life discipleship, so that in everything we are showing our children um, the glorious deeds of the Lord. We're showing them how life only makes sense through the gospel lens. That's not what our kids think at the moment. Our kids think some of life makes sense through a gospel lens, or life makes sense through a gospel lens for me, but not for my friend. But that they get that the only way to make sense of life is through the gospel. So the deep and rich application of God's word to the whole 360 degrees of a young person's life. I guess um, one of the big weaknesses I see as I go around, I oversee the youth and kids work at Word Live, I oversee the youth work at Keswick, I see thousands of teenagers every year, I see lots of people working with teenagers, and one of the biggest problems I see is really poor illustration and application, time after time after time. Um, uh, to the point that I say to people, as they're showing me their talks that they're about to give, if I see one more illustration about the Matrix, I'm going to blow my top. These kids weren't even born when the Matrix was shown the first time around. And it's not retro yet. Like, stop using it. Um, there's, some, there's some movies that it's okay to do that with, but we, I think we see so much that's out of date, that's irrelevant to young people, and particularly the way the world is moving so quickly at the moment. Um, we, we are, I think, missing... Um, the point all the time. Um, another example, I think, is um, if we take apologetics. So I imagine lots of us are involved in apologetic work. Um, I think particularly with uh, teenagers, we miss the mark all the time. So I think we're still going through the stuff that we thought about, or even the generation before us thought about. So dinosaurs, uh, pain, heaven and hell, even kind of maybe... Um, homosexuality, things like that. Actually, the apolog apologetic issue for teenagers today is simply truth. Because, because they are relativistic, living in a pluralistic, postmodern world, they don't care what anyone else believes. 
So what we need to do for them is unpack what truth is and show them that actually they are truth lovers. And when we get to that, then we can start doing the other apologetic work. But you might see teenagers switching off um, with the generic apologetic issues um, because it doesn't bother them. It actually doesn't bother them what we believe in comparison to them in the way that 20 years ago it would have really rattled someone. You know, you could poke someone apologetically and they'd open up and engage. Whereas now teenagers will just shrug it off. They're like, "Mm, it's fine. You believe what you want to believe as your truth. I'll believe what I want to believe as my truth. And we'll all coexist happily. Um, And so you need to show them that there actually is ultimate truth. Um, Because the characteristic of postmodernity is, of course, that there is no absolute truth. A challenge there to understand the culture that our children and young people are living in today. And a real challenge next to make sure that we in the local church are the ones who are taking that seriously. No more outsourcing. Um, So I mentioned a minute ago about... Uh, parents outsourcing their children quite a lot. I think we actually do it in the church as well. Um, So there's a number of issues that I know churches choose not to deal with amongst their children and young people because they'll be dealt with at camp or at uh, a day conference or something like that. Um, So some of the classic issues that I know are outsourced in this way are sex and relationships um, are really fascinatingly and, and not presuming where anyone stands on this, but things like complementarianism and egalitarianism. When I ask people where they've encountered this, they usually go, camp. Um, Never spoken about in the local church. Now, I'm on a, a bit of a campaign to certainly stop the sex and relationship talks at camp. I think it's really harmful for that kind of stuff to be done out of the local church and, more importantly, out of the home. I think probably there'll be a bit of a mess if that starts to happen and we switch things back to the local church because no one will do it. Um, But I think we're creating more problems for ourselves than helping ourselves by outsourcing all the time. And so ministry and the pastoring of young people in the parish, in the local church, means do not outsource that kind of stuff. Like You will know, and some of you I can see are pretty young, um, sex and relationships are, are dominant in the lives of teenagers. It's what they talk about, it's what they're watching, um, it's what they're doing. If we're only going to talk about it once on camp, that's not okay. Again, that really has to be, you know, just kind of very much integrated in what we're doing and I don't mean kind of that we're going to talk about it all the time but actually in our bible teaching it comes up all the time but I still hear churches talking about people having special hugs like why are we talking about that kind of stuff like that's misleading to children and to teenagers let's talk about it properly because then they know they can come back and talk to us properly about it it takes a whole church to raise a child Um, and so I think one of the things that should um, be a characteristic of our local church ministry is the involvement of the whole church in raising a child Um, we have come through a period in uh, British Christian history of heavily programmatic ministries Um, so everything is segregated we have kids work uh, youth work women's work men's work old people's work 
whatever work. Um, and so we have this vastly segmented church family. And actually, I think going forward, um, I would love us to try and have this perspective of, which I think theologically we have, um, the children and young people being part of the whole church, but actually how we treat them in practice often doesn't indicate that. Um, so what does it look like to consider it being a whole church that takes um, raising a child seriously? On a slight aside, but related, um, as Anglicans, I think one of the things that is phenomenally obvious and I think pretty detrimental um, to our young people today is that they're growing up with no ecclesiology. Um, young people don't know what church is. Um, they're very confused. Um, they don't know why they should belong, where they should belong. Um, and I don't just mean in an, in an Anglican sense, but actually in all senses, uh, young people just don't have an ecclesiology. And I think that is really important for us going forward. Um, so research now is indicating that what is done in a youth group will emerge in the mainstream adult congregation 15 years later. Um, so there's a direct correlation between what we do with young people and what happens when they become vicars, curates, PCC members, elders, pastors, or whatever. Um, so what we raise children and young people to love, they will replicate in their time when they become leaders. So, and I, I personally, and we can talk maybe a little bit more about this at the end, I think that means doing things that are distinctly Anglican. Um, so for the first year of my curacy, uh, this sounds like the worst youth group ever, but I guarantee it wasn't that bad. Um, we did the 39 articles <laughs> in the youth group because um, they're biblical. And so we just took the article and we took the, the biblical principle and we worked through them week by week. Um, and I wanted those young people to know what it is to be distinctly Anglican. Um, I wanted to raise them in that. I wonder what you're doing with the children and young people in your church to help them not only to love the Lord Jesus, but to love his people, the church, and particularly help them to understand what it means to be distinctively Anglican. As Mel says, why not teach them the 39 articles? Um, just a little advert here. We don't normally do adverts on the podcast, uh, but if you're looking for a way into that, may I recommend our latest church society book, Foundations of Faith, which goes through the 39 articles one by one with a short uh, explanation, a Bible passage and some questions to reflect on. Not necessarily to just give to a teenager to read themselves, but maybe as a starting point for you to prepare to teach what those 39 articles are and what it is that we as Anglicans believe uh, scripture teaches about how to be a church. Having said that it takes a whole church to raise a child, nonetheless, there is one particular group who have the primary responsibility for that work. So I think we've got to remember that church is the primary equipper of parents and parents are the primary disciplers in the home. So when we think about what our aim in children's and youth ministry is, and it's helping them to trust in God, 
We then want to say, well, parents are going to be the primary workers out of that, and we're going to come in and support them in that. Um, I think with the professionalisation of ministry and the diversification of ministry roles, um, we've often given people the impression, and particularly parents, that we've got the experts, and so you can leave your kids to us. And I'm very aware that people like me um, probably have fueled that as an issue, to the point that... The statistics of people who do any kind of devotional or um, kind of discipleship work with their own children in their own homes in this country amongst evangelical churches is incredibly low. Um, So something like less than 10% of evangelical Christians do any kind of family discipleship. And I think that is to do with this programmatic ministry model, the kind of we've got the experts kind of thing leave it to us um actually nothing's changed um the reason i had those two passages read at the beginning um deuteronomy 6 speaks very carefully and clearly to parents as do most of the passages that refer to child rearing and um raising children in and through the church they're mostly directed to parents Psalm 78, though, is a beautiful psalm because it addresses parents, but it also is written to the people of Israel um, to be said at collective gatherings, so to the church, essentially. So it spreads it a little bit wider, um, and that is the whole church raising the believer. But nothing has changed in terms of who the primary responsibility for the discipleship of children lies with. It is parents. Parents are the first catechists. Um, they are the ones who are charged with and who will be responsible and answerable for raising uh, children and young people in the knowledge of love and love of Christ. So I want to train uh, children's and youth workers and volunteer leaders to be the helpers of parents, not the replacers of parents. Um, So in everything, I want us to be thinking about our children's and youth work in a way that it really supports parents and certainly never usurps their role or their responsibility. Um, Who then, who else? So parents first and foremost, I think, um, so that we hear that. Some other principles, I think, that we can draw out Um, in thinking about who does this ministry in the local church parish context. I think create diverse teams of people. Um, We're too quick to think that young people will want people who are like them to do youth ministry, Um, whereas actually young people just love genuine people. Um, They don't care if you're the same age or if you're 21, if you wear your cap backwards or whatever. Um, They just want you to be genuine. Uh, And so I would say create diverse teams. The reality is, is, and I guess some of you are experiencing this already, I remember in kind of my own um, experience in working in churches, when someone volunteered to serve in some way, there was a scramble around the staff team to get them into your zone, whether it was to lead a Bible study or to preach or whatever. Uh, And the youth or kids ministry often got the dregs. Um, And this is still the same today. I meet lots of um, uh, people who are running or um, managing Sunday school works where there's non-Christians teaching in Sunday school. Uh, Lots of that. Um, 
so I, I guess this is a cry to you when you become vicars. Um, please make sure the youth and kids work get good people. But create diverse teams, people with diverse testimonies, experiences, um, understanding of uh, God in different points in their relationship with the Lord Jesus. Don't make it monocultural. Um, one of the things that young people find very hard in a monocultural youth club is if they're a little bit different. They don't fit in. And so actually your team should represent all the different types of young people that you hope to have there. Um, maybe not that you have, but that you hope to have there. Um, make sure you have older couples involved in your children's and youth ministry. I think this is really, really important. Um, so go for the 70-year-olds who have retired. They've got more time. Um, go particularly for couples who have lived... Uh, long faithful Christian lives and marriages uh, who have raised their children Christianly that they can just be great examples to our children and young people back to that whole idea of we're not just throwing the bible at them we're living our lives out before them um, in the last church I worked in where I was a youth and children's worker I had lots of older people involved particularly reading the bible one-to-one -one with young people and it was just amazing um, they loved it. And actually, like, I had 90-year-olds reading the Bible one-to-one -one with um, some of the particularly teenage girls and um, very old women. Um, but it created such a richness of experience, of insight, of Christian life and living. But they also have time. Um, so some of my older couples who served in youth ministry are the people who put the best time into illustrations, application, understanding kids and youth work. Well, there is much more wisdom from Mel uh, in the rest of her talk, which you can listen to now on the Church Society website under our resources page. Um, it's there under Audio Recordings, Junior Anglican Evangelical Conference 2018. You'll find uh, other talks from the conference there, from Lee Gatiss, from Nick McKinnell, from Sean Morris and from Wallace Ben. Uh, it really was a great conference and there was so much uh, practical wisdom uh, from years and years of experience of working in parish ministry in different contexts. Um, so I really would encourage you, if you have the time, to go and listen to uh, the whole of Mel's talk, but also some of those other talks as well. We're going to be staying on the theme of working with children and young people in the podcast next week, when I'll be talking to Ed Drew, who runs uh, Faith in Kids, an organisation particularly focused at children's ministry and training up children's workers and resourcing parents as they seek to bring up their children in the Lord. So do tune in again for that next week. Yeah.